0: You see a lot of these lists and it has sort of the death of a, a loved one or divorce and then in there is, is moving home.
1: Welcome to the Wales Tech Vlog podcast hosted by me, Robert Lavoie. Each episode I speak with tech entrepreneurs around Wales to give an idea of what's going on in our small yet creative country. This week I'm speaking with Evanog. A startup based in South Wales, trying to ease some of the frustrations people experience when buying a new home. Hi both, nice to meet you this morning. How are you doing?
0: Great, thanks. Amy. Yeah, really good, really good. Thank you. So I'm Dan. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Evernoch. Um, We're building a digital concierge to um, help people through the home moving process. Um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, in my past career i was a, a derivatives trader i sort of left that um about five years ago and to pursue sort of entrepreneurial um activities and and you know look at the things that were impacting my life and and home moving as i'm sure a lot of people can um familiar um, familiarized with is is one of those uh stressful events that that seemingly never seems to improve over the years so uh i thought i wanted to have a, a good crack at it so so that's what we're doing
1: yeah don't they say that the two most stressful things in life are divorce and buying a house there's yeah <laughs> i haven't divorced don't... anyone yet but I would say <laughs> moving house is uh yeah, Isn't you, a pain. <laughs> you see a lot of these lists, and it has
0: sort of the the most uh, stressful events in your lives, and it's things like you know death of a, a loved one or divorce or you know really sort of horrible events, and then in there is is moving home, which is is usually like you know it should be a really positive thing, and and it always sort of struck me as uh, <laughs> as quite strange that that should make the list.
1: How about you, Steve?
2: I'm Dan's co-founder and chief technology officer at uh, Evernock. Um, so my background is as a chartered engineer and I've been working in the, the entrepreneurial space for uh, about a decade now, um, as uh, a startup CTO, either as a co-founder or as a consultant to other companies. Um, and like Dan, I've, uh, I've experienced the property industry in a number of different ways as well. And the, the, the stresses and, and really just want to make that a bit easier for everyone.
1: So, um, Dan you said you were a derivatives trader was that in London or yes it was yeah which
0: is um, which is where I'm from originally yeah
1: and so i think Steve as well you're also not from wales so what has brought you both to wales to start this company and
2: um, personally i relocated to wales for a, a corporate job probably around 15 years ago now and when i i started you know i broke out of of corporate and started Doing kind of more entrepreneurial things, uh, it, it just didn't make sense to to move away. Um, Wales really has everything that I've I've needed, and here I am still here.
0: Yeah, from my point of view, I'm a, a much more um, recent um, addition to to Wales. So, just I think past my first year, end of my first year having uh, lived here, um, and. You know, in all honesty, I was brought here because my wife is a is a native of 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 this fine country. And um yeah, I think uh, she sort of drove that move. Um uh, so yeah, l- l- London was my home. That's where I initially started the company. But actually, um, you know, I- I've been really, really pleasantly surprised by the, you know, support, um, and sort of the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, um, down here, um, especially coming from London, there was, there's always that kind of concern that, you know, that, that there wouldn't be as much there, but actually they're very different, but actually I, I would, you know, venture to say that Wales is actually more of a supportive environment for, for entrepreneurs, um, you know there, there's there's great networks you tend to i mean just walking down uh the street in cardiff with steve and there, everyone will stop him to to say hello because because <laughs> he knows so many people there but but it's that kind of um that kind of environment um that you don't always get um perhaps in, in in london um where there's obviously many many startups uh competing i feel um for space rather than here it's more of a collaborative effort it feels like that anyway mm.
1: yeah that's often, i think that's often uh often said about Wales. i mean london obviously has the investors you know the the many many more startups like the community initiatives um but you can feel like a small fish in a very very big pond whereas here it's quite a small pond but that's actually quite useful like you say it can be yeah. Should we move on to the, to Evernock, right? So why, let's start with a name, right? Why Evernock? <laughs> You're not the first uh, there person there have to have
0: uh, brought that up years recently. Years.
1: <laughs> and actually, um,
0: this is, this is, probably going off topic a bit, but I had a bit of a dream last night about a new name. It must, it must be sort of occupying my subconscious. Um, why Evernock? So in, in, in the really most basic terms, um, I was given some good advice by someone I was working with uh, in the very early stages um, to find something that you could purchase the dot com of very cheaply. Um, And I spent a few days, probably longer than I should have done, with little notepads writing um, a bunch of different names that had sort of passing, um, you know, uh, connection to property or or moving. And that was what came out of it for better or worse. And for me, I've never felt like this is it and this will never change or anything like that. But um...
1: I mean, that's pretty legitimate reason. I think, you know, people spend a lot of time on naming, but actually some of the biggest companies have the most random names. Uh, I think it's more about how you embody that name rather than choosing it in the first place. Uh, I would say that buying a house is a bit like forever knocking on people's doors. <laughs> so it actually happens because it can take months and months, Yeah, uh, like we said earlier. So um, tell me exactly, you know, what, what are you offering? What are the products you're offering? Is it more of a SaaS business or an agency business or a bit of both? Um, and, you know, is it B2B or B2C or b 2 b to c um, yeah a little bit more about like the service that you're offering yeah so as we as we
0: touched on before um i guess the, you know the problem we're solving is, is that of the home moving experience being you know generally very negative and you have this sort of 30% consistent fall through rate and home buyers losing an average 3000 pounds per move and, and as as we touched on before it being one of the most stressful events of their lives and what we were kind of both steve and i found you know kind of separately and and we've brought that together is that there's a lot of companies out there that talk about wanting to improve this process, um, but many of them seem to have focused on, you know, software or solutions for incumbents, so for solicitors, for estate agents, um, and almost think of the consumer as a bit of an afterthought. And what has happened as a result of that is that, you know, even with some good solutions out there and, and, and some good bits of tech out there. The, the, the home-mover experience is still as bad as it ever was. It still takes as long as, as it ever has. Um, so we really wanted to build something that was consumer-centric in that way. So it's it's very much a consumer-centric product. Um, and yeah, as we kind of touched on before, we we're, we're sort of term it the the home-moving concierge. And, and a nice way to think about it is like a wedding planner for your home move. Um, so someone there to help guide you um, you know navigate all the all the complexities of it um, and help you organize the many many different services that you will invariably have to employ during the move and you know it starts with a mortgage broker but it includes solicitor surveyor removal companies and a bit later on things like insurance broadband, and you know, automated address changing all, all sorts and they spend you um, on average, forty-two thousand pounds in the twelve months surrounding their home move. So it's a really, it's a really sort of big, big market, um, and all this money spent, and people are still having a really terrible time of it. So, yeah, that's that's sort of um, the products were effectively a, an assistance um, to help people through that process. And um, in terms of sort of, you know, we're building for the consumer, um, but it's free to use for for home movers. Um, And our business model focuses on um, referral fees from our home moving partners. So the companies we connect them with, like the solicitors um, and surveyors, et cetera.
2: Um, Maybe as a um, a marketplace model as well, sometimes you you hear that kind of um, description of these businesses where there's a, a consumer side and a partner
1: side. So is this a kind of a company that I pick up the phone? Um, and talk to like a dedicated account manager, and then they sort out the rest. Or is there some kind of platform, or how do I interact with you if I'm buying a house? In the
2: um, the early stages where we are now, it's um, it is admittedly very very manual. So um, you would pick up the phone or perhaps text, instant message with one of our customer success team, and we would sort out everything else. But for that to scale we we need to to automate we're, we're aware of that the, the next couple of years is to, to streamline through digital offerings um, self-service platform and um, maybe some kind of um, automation of, of support for the the right points but without losing that human touch that's essential to reduce the stress and make this a um, a, a successful uh, offering.
1: Yeah that's a really interesting point because i suppose most tech startup let let startups let's say or tech companies um they want or the dream is 100% automation but as we've said a few times this is quite a stressful um process this whole buying a house or or selling a house or or moving um that human element i suppose that like you just mentioned steve is perhaps for me at least it is nice when you can pick up the phone and, and shout at someone <laughs> when it's not working, or or just plead with them to make it go faster. Um, so yeah, do you do you do you foresee at this point that there will always be a route to speak to a human when you absolutely need it?
2: Yeah, I, I do, and I I completely see there being a time when that human is is just there to to listen to someone vent as well. That they're they're having a stressful time. There's something going on around the move that's um, making it frustrating. Uh, and that might be something that's completely outside of the, the process of moving and uh, the offering, but it, it's part of being a concierge, is being there to support that and to to get the successful outcome at the end. Mm.
1: So how how do you think, uh, well, who are your competitors, I suppose? Um, I know that recently when I bought my last house, um, the estate agent tried to upsell me you know, mortgage advisor, uh, a few uh, insurance life insurance or house insurance, and that was being done by the estate agent. Do you see them as your uh, partners or your competitors? a bit of both or is there someone else in the market that I'm you know that that's out there that I'm not aware of?
0: Yeah, I mean we very much see estate agents as partners in this. Certain agents have partnerships or affiliations with you know legal services companies or financial services companies and, and, and try and sell that. We're there very much to, to help manage that service. So I I often talk about how when you move, it can feel like you're, you're project managing. And that's really what we're, what we're trying to replace. So in terms of when you say competition, for me, I've always thought, thought the biggest competition was actually just the status quo, right? Um, which is that most people will go through this process, which has 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 remained the same for for many many years. We've spoken to a number of solicitors and, and estimated that that's upwards of sixty percent of their working time is dealt with just you know servicing customer queries. It certainly doesn't help um, improve the service that they deliver. But yeah, estate agents were certainly looking to work with them because, as I said, we can we can take that burden, that customer service burden away from them. We can also offer them um, access to a number of these partners, which they might not have access to. Certainly some of the more sort of independent agents.
1: You you mentioned earlier that uh, for the consumer, for me moving house, it it wouldn't come at a cost. Uh, So what I gather from the estate agents that I've spoken to before when buying a house, they're getting a cut from selling their solicitor or selling their uh, life insurance or whatever it may be, uh, if you are doing that for them and they are paying you, don't they actually lose revenue? So
0: the, the estate agent. So I suppose there's there's two scenarios. One is that the estate agent doesn't have these partnerships in place, in which case we're offering them um, and we'll offer them a revenue share. So you know we'll give them access or their clients access to these services, and then we'll share some of that revenue. Um, and two is sometimes they will have some of those services in place. And we're happy to bring the companies that they work with onto our panel, um, which just helps them manage it better because you know we'll be sort of the one point of contact for, for a number of services. And invariably, even if they have, as we said, a conveyancing partner and uh, a mortgage partner, um, it's unlikely they will, you know, we're talking about up to a dozen different services. We've touched a few of them Um, such as surveyors, um, removals companies, life insurance, home insurance, broadband, you know, in, in a different market, utility switching, um, address automation. So all of these different things, you know, I'm yet to meet an agent that has that entire range or suite of services. But in 99.9% of cases, we're able to offer them at least one, um, revenue stream, which they certainly don't already have. Um, so, so we can, you know, boost their revenue that way.
1: Cool. Okay. So, where are we at with all this? Like, how long have you been around? Uh, when did you start? Um, are you pre-revenue, post-revenue? Where, where on this journey are we right now?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I suppose technically the the company was incorporated um, around two and a half years ago, um, in the midst of the first lockdown, May twenty twenty. <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've done a, a number of things since then, a number of experiments, tested a, a lot of assumptions. Um, and at the minute, you know, we are live, so we're offering a, a live service. Um, we've had some users, um, some, some very early revenue, and we're now looking to sort of just better execute our route to market um, and push on from there, really.
1: Okay, so are you invested or bootstrapped or... Are you looking for investment or not?
0: We've so we've bootstrapped um the entire way up until very, very recently. Um so we we opened our first round of investments um and have actually taken in uh checks from three angels um through uh, ASA's advanced subscription agreements. Um and that's giving us um a, a little bit of um runway to to meet some some really exciting targets over the next few months, but but we are currently um, the round is still open and we're still in accepting investment for for that first round of funding.
1: That's great. Congrats on your first uh, three angels. That's wonderful. Thanks. Um, Thank uh, did you want to take it? Is there a right type of investment? I ask this question just because I imagine there are people out there who are starting a business who you know they hear all these words, they hear about these rounds like you know pre-seed series a you know what does it all mean uh why you know why did you take investment and do you foresee that being part of your future growth plan and if so why it's different
2: for for every business right there's there's some businesses where it's completely inappropriate to to have investment i'd say there's other others where you're just not going to get anywhere without it and I think it's a universal truth of a a product-based business where you're developing something that's a little bit new that there are upfront costs that you don't recoup until you've made the product and you've had a chance to and to to sell that product to customers so I, I think we're in that middle ground where we need some investment to to get going and then, as you say, there's a, a separate decision to be made at some point if we see that growth is going really well um, but we could accelerate that with another round then sure then that's something to look at. but that's probably a, a different conversation for a couple of years time.
0: But the other part of investment, I think beyond the capital is is what value you can you can get beyond pure capital. Um, and you know especially at the early stage, um, you know, if you can get angels on board that can add something, some sort of value beyond that capital that can help accelerate your growth, then I think there is a a definite benefit to that. Um and hopefully that's that's what we're we've done and, and we're doing.
1: So let's talk about Steve. Uh earlier Dan alluded to you having another uh similar startup prior to this one, prior to Evernock. Uh that's right, what yeah. was that? What happened? Um, what did it look like? Um, Um, So that that company was called Proper Software. It was proper
2: with a double R because we spent probably a little bit less time than Dan looking for .com (laughs) domains that were available. Um, And it was set out to solve um, the same problem, a very similar problem maybe, but um, moving home is a kind of stressful and very opaque
1: process. So in what way does that differ here, do you think? What are the main differences between Evernock and what you did previously?
2: I think a huge difference with, with Evernock is that we're not just serving one of the, um, the, the partners, if you like, in the, the transaction. So proper track my move, it was very much a product for estate agents. And then by proxy, um, we served the customers of the estate agents, but they were always the estate agents' customers. I think with Evernock we've taken the view that, that that the customer is front and center, the home mover is is the the center of our world. You know, your your average home move um involves I think it's uh, about five or six different companies you'll have to, to deal with during the course of it. Some of them are to, as many as a dozen. Um and and that's that's difficult, it's
1: complicated. So you you so you've you've run a business before. Um, is this your second, or have you run several? Um... I, I've been involved in
2: several either as a um, a co-founder or a, a consultant. So
1: I suppose if we're counting, I'd say this is about the fourth. Um, so what are the so in, uh, the last one? I'm guessing wasn't proper wasn't successful. Well, I think that that depends on your perspective, right? Um, in In the course of running
2: proper, we did run for a, a number of years. We transacted over four hundred million pounds worth of property through the platform um the The transactions that we dealt with they were forty percent faster on average than the, the national average for for moving home. They were forty percent less likely to fail um We haven't really touched on this, but there's a huge proportion of uh, property transactions in the UK fall through in that period between agreeing the sale and actually getting the, the keys handed over, uh, we did 40% better on those. So by a number of metrics, um, we succeeded. Uh, and then by other metrics, you could say that uh, because we didn't have a, a huge exit to um, a big household name, then that's a failure. But ultimately, the, the truth is always somewhere in between, right?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. We often associate success with one of those big exits in this industry. Um, but actually, you know, if, if if you put food on the table um, and you've learned something along the way, uh, that also is a success. Um, so, yeah, that's great. What about you, Dan? Have you been involved in a business before? This is my f- my first real crack at it.
0: Um, there was a couple of side projects, but, but this is my, my first real crack at it, yeah.
1: I suppose. I suppose the question is uh, from those experiences, because there will be people out there who have tried something and failed, or tried something, and maybe, like you said, Steve, had an element of success, but not the success they were looking for. Um, I think you know it. Both career paths that you've taken—one, one in starting businesses, Steve, or being part of startups or small or starting companies—and Dan, you in the city, which is obviously you know almost the pinnacle of British industry. There are there are learnings along that way. Uh, do you have you know key learnings from your previous careers or companies that you that have helped you with Evanock?
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I learned a huge amount um, working in in the industry that I did um, during the period that I did, especially how companies operate under huge amount of external pressures, stresses. You know, we were going through. Um, you know the biggest financial crisis that, that any of us are likely to see um, in a generation, um, and 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 I you know and, I, and then I was working at the coalface um, trading derivatives during some some pretty big shock events like um, like Brexit and, and like the U.S. presidential uh, election of 2016. In terms of my I suppose ability to to be able to compartmentalise what we're doing, um, but then also you know, see where it fits in into the wider equation of, of what's going on around the world that, you know, that was probably the biggest learn I have. Um, I like to think I'm I'm quite good dealing under pressure, um, probably
2: because of those sorts of experiences. I've been really lucky, like Dan, to work across a, a number of different projects, different companies, different industries to, to get a, a perspective on all this. But also having worked in PropTech a, a number of years now, you start to to get an appreciation for how the industry ticks. And that's
1: really useful to bring from one company to another. So do you have any formal like business education or have you learned on the job? Or um, I've done a couple of academic certificates in uh, management and, and leadership.
2: I think you can overdo um, you know, reading from books or training courses, teaching, whatever. But it is quite useful to get that sort of potted um, starter, if you like, to this is the, the considered opinion of a number of people who've given this some thought and then take it from there and compare it to your own experiences in the field. But I, Are I you a big, a big reader of those business books then? I, I'm generally a big reader. Yeah, I, I like reading and reflecting, but I, I think um, they are what they are. You know, They're, they're someone's opinion. They're, they're perhaps the collected opinion of a group of people But it doesn't apply directly to every situation. And it's only by trying to apply it to your own situation and learning from experience that you really get the whole balanced overview of uh,
1: uh, of how to do these things. So would you say experience is king, really? So you can read all this stuff, you can do formal academic qualifications, but actually in the end, doing it and failing or being successful teaches you the most doing it
2: is, is critical and um, but also
1: like, do listen to the
2: experience of others you know um, there's no sense jumping in completely cold and uh, reinventing the wheel and discovering things that you could have learned from from say the community in in your city where there's other um, you know, startup owners um, it, it balance it
1: is what I would say yeah, Dan, do you do you, as CEO of Evernock, do you have a mentor yourself with someone you spend one-on-one time with? Um
0: I ha- I have a number of people that I, I would call mentors. So I, I suppose the first the first way to answer that question is I uh, I've done a couple of formal mentorship programs whereby you have sort of regular um regular meetings with with a mentor. I've I've certainly found value in that. Um, to back up Steve's point as well, um, I think mentorship and um, advice can come in many guises. Um, it might be someone formerly that you've been matched up with who's done it before. It might, and, and it often has for me, certainly, been um, uh, one or a cohort of, of my peers who are perhaps going through it at the moment, which I, I, I certainly find a lot of value with that. It might be podcasts which you know i'm an, I'm an avid listener of, of a number of podcasts some of which are sort of more business focused, and, and i certainly find value with those and, and 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 business books as well which again I, I i do tend to read quite a lot but i think i've probably learned as much from my current peers from um canvassing opinions through books podcasts etc uh, speaking networking with people as as anything and and I think for me what I could say one of the biggest values or or, or things I think that that could contribute to success is 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 perseverance
1: okay let's let's wrap this up uh with one last piece of advice uh we'll start with you Steve if you were to give someone you know entering either prop tech or any part of tech startups in 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 not just in Wales anywhere what would your piece of advice be Um, I would say listen to all of the advice that you're offered
2: and choose for yourself very, very carefully, which you'll act upon. Um, There's no one piece of advice that I can give that's right for the situation of everyone listening to this.
0: Yeah, very much in a similar vein, I think
2: go out and
0: speak to people. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that most things can be learnt, Um, you know, intelligent people can can learn most topic areas. um, And you learn by, by speaking to people who have a better knowledge um, than you. So go out, speak to people, understand where the opportunities are. I think I was probably guilty for a number of years of thinking about ideas more than acting on them. Um, But ultimately, if you don't try, you won't succeed. It's it's a cliche, but, but but it's one that holds true.
1: Oh, so there you have it. So speak to as many people as possible and then choose your own path. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, Steve and Dan. Um, thank you for taking part in the first podcast here on the Wales Tech Blog. Uh, I wish you all the success, and hopefully we can hear from you again in a few months' time when you've got more news to share. That'd be great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. that's it thank you very much you've been listening to the wales tech blog podcast you can read a transcript of this podcast at www.robertsloboer.com that's www.robert and then l-o-b-u-e.com uh, where you'll find lots of other podcasts from startups and tech companies around wales thank you very much for listening and i wish you a pleasant day Thank you.